and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Tenet. Written and directed by Christopher Nolan, Tenet is the spy film that follows a secret agent who's thrown into a world of time manipulation. Tenet is finally in cinemas now. So if you haven't watched the film yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Nolan took more than five years to write the screenplay after deliberating about Tenet's central ideas for over a decade. The film was delayed three times due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but we finally have got it. Jason, you have the plot. In a twilight world of international espionage, an unnamed CIA operative known as the protagonist, played by John David Washington, is recruited by a mysterious organisation called Tenet to participate in a global assignment that unfolds beyond real time. The mission, prevent Andrei Sator, played by Kenneth Branagh, a renegade Russian oligarch with precognition abilities from starting World War III. The protagonist will soon master the art of time inversion as a way of countering the threat that is to come. We have finally seen this movie. We have. Well, it's the first blockbuster since COVID. So this was always going to be a big one. Unfortunately, the dates that got moved only slightly, only by weeks. And we got, I think in here in Australia, we got the, we got the advanced screening as well. So we got it like, you know, about five days earlier than its official release here in this country. And that's when Um, you watched it, isn't it? Yeah, I watched it the first Saturday that it was out. I think you waited for the official Thursday release. Not through choice. I have <laughs> things, things happen. Responsibility. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I wanted to watch it as soon as it came out, but I thought, you know what? I can wait another week. How busy was your screening? It was. It was modest. Not like not like crazy sellout, but you know there was there were seats. No, seats with bums in them, you know, like people were sitting in them. <laughs> Obviously, you know, uh, you know, separated seats in between, you know, groups and, you know, everyone practicing social distancing and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like modest for a, for a Saturday evening. Yeah, I watched it Friday evening on one of the bigger screens and there was maybe 20 people in the screening. And this was Friday Pretty night. Light. Yeah, but I guess Saturday is going to be the bigger one. But it'd be interesting to see how this one goes at the box office. In the US, they've just had New Mutants come out. So more movies are starting to come. But yeah, I was just curious. Before we get into talking about the movie, just your cinema experience. (laughs) The thing is, we have have obviously been waiting for this. And this being a big tentpole movie, but a Christopher Nolan movie as well. Um, and you you mentioned to me right before we started recording, this is the first one that we've, the first Christopher Nolan movie that we've actually reviewed on this show, which I had to kind of take a double take there and be like, is it? And yeah, that, it is. It is. Yeah, it's Weird. never happened. It wasn't planned that way. We just haven't, I guess in the time that we've been doing the podcast, Interstellar has happened and Dunkirk, but we didn't even have a conversation about either of those movies. We've both seen them. And I watched Dunkirk this week because I realized it was the only one of his movies I'd not seen. So I wanted to watch Tenet with 
behind me, having had the full Christopher Nolan experience. I suppose if, if there was any Christopher Nolan movie to sort of look at, you know, in, in, I guess, in a way, preparation for this movie or at least sort of thematics or style or what he's kind of doing with his filmmaking, I guess Inception would be the go-to one, you know, some sort of high concept, the visuals uh, on show, and it's Christopher Nolan doing that big blockbuster type thing. So I think Inception would be the one to sort of prepare with. Well, I think now is a good time to talk about the concept of this movie then. Because you kind of need to know what's going on there. Because otherwise, you're going to sit and watch this movie, but not really know what's happening in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So time inversion. <laughs> time inversion. So there, there's objects that have been sent from the future to the past. And when they are interacted with, they will act in reverse. Yeah, and so there, there's, some yeah. Sort of, there's some sort of technology in the future that's created that can change the way that time flows with these objects. So they, they run backwards, essentially. So like a bullet, which they use in the movie as an example, will reverse kind of thing. You know, like it'll be, instead of dropping something, you'll be, no, instead of picking something up, you'll be dropping it. Things run backwards. And then the movie actually explores yeah, sort of, I guess, you in time inver- in, in, inversing, inversing. What is the word? You going through the time inversion process where you are actually running backwards, but in your mind, you're running forward. So everything else looks like you're going backwards. And that's, that's probably where the biggest part of the visuals come in, where everything's running backwards. But really, I mean, it's just, it's just sort of filming something and then reversing the footage. Can I tell you, because that's what I thought they did. No, sure. that is not what Christopher Nolan did at all. Now, this movie is said to have less VFX shots than most romantic comedies. Everything is practical. There's hardly any CGI in this movie. So when you're watching footage that is inverged or inversioned backwards, yeah. he shot it two ways. He shot it forwards. He shot it backwards. The actors in those scenes not only had to learn their lines forwards, it had to learn, they had to learn their lines backwards. Well, they actually spoke backwards. Yes. I just don't believe that, because hey, why? What's the point? The internet would not lie. But that's what I found <laughs> when I've been doing research about the effects. And you think Kenneth Branagh, he's speaking Russian in this movie. So he has to and speak he's Russian having backwards. to speak it backwards. And visuals, <laughs> so they would shoot it forward, and then they shoot it in reverse. I mean, there's going to be some tweaks in there. Like the, the movie opens in the opera, big explosions. I don't think he's lighting the place on fire. So there's clearly some <laughs> uh, VFX shots in here. But yeah, no, but from what I've read, he wanted it, because it's a high concept, what Nolan was going for is for as much as he could, what you're seeing on screen, he achieved with a camera. I, I believe that because, I mean, the, the shot I go to is when um, the protagonist first does, you know, you know he time inverses himself. And he, you know, he's running out of that little bunker thing that they've got and he enters the car and obviously everything around him is going backwards. To me, it looked like 
he you know, obviously he's moving forward, but he didn't look like he was moving forward naturally. It looked like they had shot that as if he was already in the car and then was getting out and walking backwards. So he was performing as an actor backwards and then they obviously reversed the footage. So it looked like he was moving forward. And I just feel like that was very easy to sort of, I mean, not easy, but simple to pull off without, like you're saying, without any over the top special effects, simple filmmaking, camera tricks. That's all it is. But again, going going off what I read, yeah, it's the actors going backwards because keep in mind, like you got the protagonist, but everything else in that scene has to be moving normally. So I guess maybe it was deemed easier to have one component, the actor, of course. to, to of move. Course. Yeah, but it, it's it's cool though. Like it's really impressive, you know, how he's pulled off, you know, what he has in this movie. And I'm saying like visually, but the fact that he's done it with as little VFX shots as possible, it just makes it even more impressive. Can we talk about the protagonist played by John David Washington? This is the first time I've really seen this guy. I've not seen Black Klansman. I know that was a big one for him. He's in the TV series Ballers, I believe. So I've not actually seen him until this movie. And it wasn't until I was about to watch it that I found out he's Denzel Washington's son. So I, had, I knew. <laughs> right, the Washington name. There's at least there's three, maybe four words spoken by him in this movie. And all I heard was Denzel. Wow. It was just uncanny. But this this guy, what a performance he is giving in this. Now, you know, we're watching this film because it's Nolan, you know, high concept. But I'd like to see this guy in a straight action movie. Or in, in yeah, most movies. Was- I thought he was just brilliant. The action scene in the kitchen when all the guys are piling on and he's fighting them off one by one, sometimes two, three at a time, and he comes out on top. But that scene was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the very early scenes in, in this film feel very Christopher Nolan. I mean, they're, they're, well, they're well made. They look good. They look polished. You know, like the opening opera scene, it, it felt like the opening of The Dark Knight. I was getting all those feelings again. You know, that Joker heist. But you're right, yeah, like just a simple, straightforward fight scene just looks like visually amazing on screen. That's just what Nolan does. It clearly wasn't the film's intention. But again, I really enjoyed that kitchen fight scene. (laughs) I enjoyed the action in this movie so much more when it wasn't reversed. (laughs) I just need to say look. (laughs) <laughs> let me let me get into the let me get into the time of it because I've got two points to make about the time inversion thing. All right, I'll start visually. Okay, so it looked cool, and you know when he does, the protagonist does eventually go backwards himself, although everything else is going backwards. What we see anyway, I was like, this is cool. This is you know this is you know this is um this is more than what we've been shown so far. We've you know we've seen the bullet go backwards. We've seen some things, objects go backwards, cars and stuff like that. I was like, well, this is everything. This is cool. About two minutes later, I was like, okay, I've seen it now. The the visuals, the appeal, the the you know like dare I say the gimmick of it had passed. I was like, all right, 
there's not much more you can really do with this. I've seen it now. Like the visuals just started to look the same and it, like it started to look like footage in reverse. I know there wasn't one object moving forward and the rest was in reverse, but that's all it looked like. And it wasn't too exciting after a while. So you're right. Just a normal, straightforward action scene. Like the car chase, the initial car, because we do go back to it, but the initial car chase, I was like, eh, this is good, you know, good action. This is all, this looks visually good. Then we see it again and it's in reverse. And I'm like, okay, so there's a bit more to it now. And, you know, there's, oh, there's a reveal. But I'm like, we've already seen this. We're just watching it backwards now. I've got to be honest, this is a bit of a relief. I thought I was going to okay. be the only person <laughs> with this, with this opinion. I, I, I want to say something else about the time inversion stuff. I found following it perfectly fine. I had no issue grasping the concept, following, um, obviously, you know, they're moving, when they do move backwards in time and, you know, they're, they're traveling to another date, all of that. Um, whenever, you know, when they start introducing that sort of uh, the machine that, you know, like, crosses back and forth i was like no i get it like this a lot of people have been coming out of this movie saying you know like it's hard to follow it's hard to understand the time inversion stuff i was all i was all behind i was like i get it there's no there's no real issue that i'm having following it what i did have issue following though was in one part of this movie is very is a spy film it's espionage you know it, it's things it's it's globe trotting it's going here finding out the next piece of the puzzle the the first like 20 minutes or half an hour even where the protagonist is just you know he's meeting with like michael kane he's meeting that blonde chick she's like showing him stuff just like you know the the stuff with the with cat and the painting i had no idea what the hell was going on like and maybe rewatching the movie i'll be like okay i get it i get it now but i, I just find i felt the storytelling and the exposition of all these things, I was just like, what is going on? I just went with it. But if you were like, what? I still don't really understand what the deal with the painting was. Like, I've got no idea. I knew it meant that she couldn't leave her husband for some reason. Like, like I, I don't know. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, the reason is that she purposely sold him a forgery. So what he's saying to her, I've got the painting. I've got evidence that you planned this. So if you leave me or try and take my son away i'll put you in jail that's it that's the deal with the painting okay so it's pretty straightforward it is that's i just missed whole, it i just missed it so obviously there wasn't too much to but, it but there's a lot there is a lot going on what I there's a say, lot happening it's it's because it's non-linear that's what makes it confusing it's happening here it's happening there it's all over the place if not this, really not really it's it's pretty like i mean it's linear and then yeah, when they no, start there's, going there's back in time yeah but that's what you, i mean you're watching like when you're watching the character you're watching the protagonist at least you're with him in his you, linear I know, cycle but fun. elements and things around him in the movie are changing and like influence so you're right he is your through line and you do need that but i do i do feel as though you mentioned, like, say, the first 30 minutes, 45, you know, the opening of the movie. I don't think you're supposed to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Because he's going to be going back, he's going to be going forward, and you're going to be finding more out as you go along. So I just feel like for the people that have come out of this movie and are just putting their hands up and say, you know what, it didn't make sense, I didn't follow it, and all of this, 
maybe they checked out early. Maybe it was too much in the beginning and then they were just sat there and just thinking, well, this is just too hard. And they let the movie wash over them and then they just left and had a bad experience. <laughs> but if you follow well, I it, After 20 minutes, I was like, I was sitting there being like, I'm waiting for them, everything to like the story points and stuff to click. I mean, like, I didn't even realize that, you know, Kenneth Branagh was the main villain of the movie until maybe about halfway through the movie. I was like, oh no, we're still with this character. Okay. Because up until then, you know, the protagonist was just, he literally was just meeting supporting characters one after another, one after another, one after another. I mean, just going through them. Yeah. But when he got to Kenneth Branagh and, you know, um, Debicki's character, I was just like, how long are we going to spend with these ones? And I was waiting for, like, I just didn't know where the plot was going, what was happening. But, you know, as soon as, you know, you, you meet Robert Pattinson and, and all that, it's like, okay, now we're on track. Now we've got a plot, a story, we're following it. And like I said, the time inversion stuff, I had no issue with. It made sense. It probably made too much sense because there's a few reveals in this movie and I'm curious to see how you went with them. Did you see every reveal coming? If I'm honest... No, but you've just said so much there. You've just said so much. <laughs> let's, just, let's just back up a little bit. Kenneth Branagh, like, I knew he was in it, but I didn't realise he was the big bad of this film. I didn't know that right. going in. So yeah. I tried to stay away from the more recent trailers yeah. and read up on it. pretty blind. Yes, it was good to experience it that way. Uh, the inclusion of Robert Pattinson as Neil. I mean, Pattinson is fantastic in this film and he is really needed and to have him as someone that the protagonist can have a conversation with that for me helped move the story along because as you (laughs) say because until Pattinson what you're having is the protagonist just meeting one person after the other and then maybe you won't see that person again like that doctor or the scientist like we're giving him all the information in the beginning and then she's gone I think her name is Laura and I only know that because of (laughs) You know, researching. Right, but then, but then she's gone. See, you are meeting this person, then this person, yeah. then this person. But and then, then Michael Caine's in the movie for two minutes, oh, and then you never see is. him again. Like he's just, he's like, I'll do your movie, but I want it in a nice restaurant, and I want a really nice meal. They're my conditions. He, yeah, and he's like, he's doing his lines, but he's eating as well. He's going to finish his meal, <laughs> and I know that's part of that's the character, but I just. I don't know. Michael Caine seemed really different in this. I don't know if it's because he's getting older or he was making like uh, his choices to do something performance. Different. Yeah, I don't know. But there was something different about him. Like you know, do what I thought a Michael Caine impression. Yeah. In this movie, I felt as though Michael Caine wasn't doing a great Michael Caine impression. He just sounds a bit. It's funny. It's funny you say that because the fact is that he was sitting in a restaurant eating a meal, and it was Michael Caine. It just made me think of. The trip where they're all the guys are sitting there having a meal, yeah, doing Michael Caine impressions. <laughs> but they sounded more like Michael Caine though than he did. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it was good to see him. It's good to see him because he he's been in most of Nolan's movies or his more recent movies. Like he's not in Dunkirk, but his voices like he does a voiceover. Oh, does he? in the movie? Yeah, his voice appears. Oh, wow. So the plot. I was following it for the most part, but you know what I nearly completely missed? I nearly went the whole movie without realising that the character Ives was Aaron Taylor-Johnson. 
Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know until <laughs> I, I I was doing this research. I was like, "What?" No, no, <laughs> I just, just thought he was some. I just thought he was some guy. Like, when he was in the tent and he was doing the big speech towards the end, like before. Well, not it's more than before the end. It's when they're going on the big mission, the third act mission. Right. That's when I'm looking at him. I'm like We're talking about crap. the Death Star plan scene. That's yeah. What, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, it's kick-ass. How, how did I miss that? I didn't. I didn't even realize then. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I just I thought he was not to knock. You know, like I just figured he was some no-name actor. You know, like you could tell me his name, I'd be like, no, nah, don't know who he is. Like he was doing a fine job. <laughs> I just figured he was. Some random guy. While we're talking about access from other things, have you seen yesterday? Yeah. Did you With, recognize uh, Himish Patel? I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, as soon as he came on screen, I was like, "Oh, that's that's the yesterday guy." That was cool. Yeah, and he was good in this. He was good in that, and, good and in he this. he's in more than one scene, which is good. <laughs> yeah, it helps, doesn't it? He comes back. I mean, you referred to him as. Dubicki earlier, which is a surname, but we should probably talk about Elizabeth Dubicki as Kat. She was good. <laughs> like she she was really good in this and you know, with what she's going through where she's trapped in a loveless relationship and she wants nothing but to go away with her son. And yeah, I thought she was really good. Yeah, and then, I mean she had some some pretty strong scenes with uh, Kenneth Branner as well, which I didn't know how far they were gonna take some of this. You know, there's that one scene in the bedroom and and, well, uh, he takes off the belt and he takes the um, the studs from his shirt and he's about to. Well, that's it, yeah. Like, but then, pretty the much, threat, like it's, it's pretty full on. The threat of the protagonist finding out that was enough to to stop him. But uh, Kenneth Branagh, yeah, wow, he's really good in this. I mean, he's he just a bad Kenneth Branagh is Russian guy good. really well. <laughs> he does a good rating, yeah, yeah. Like he was really good in this. I mean, overall, I mean, you ever mentioned that, you know, we already uh, talked Robert Pattinson already, but I mean, like, I can't say it enough. If if all you know him from is the Twilight movies, then you're missing out. Like, I mean, this is going to get him on the on the widespread, you know, board now. Set him up for that Batman movie that people are going to be doing nothing but talking about. Him. But all these since, other indie yeah. movies, these smaller yeah. movies that he's been doing since Twilight have been great. Like, since he is a great actor. The, the Batman trailer dropped. So many people have completely changed their minds. The concerns they that they have. <laughs> yeah, so I, and I think this movie is going to do, like his performance in this, if that trailer for the Batman didn't sway you, this movie is going to do a lot, I think, to change people's minds. But I was curious, what did Nolan see to cast him in this? And it was that movie that you've recommended on the podcast before that he did with... The um, the brothers that directed that Sandler movie, uh, Uncut Gems. Good, good time. Good time. good time. Yeah, it was Good Time and another movie that Pattinson had done, and that was enough to get a meeting with Nolan, and then and then cast him in this. You know, I read an interesting story though that their first meeting, so you got Nolan, Pattinson, and it ran for about three hours, and Pattinson were apparently getting low blood sugar and he was feeling quite tired because they'd, like, <laughs> they'd just been talking for three hours yeah. and and he was just feeling quite tired and he noticed on the on the table there was a chocolate bar and he asked if he could have it and in that moment Nolan ended the meeting and Pattinson went away concerned 
that he'd blow it <laughs> because he asked for his chocolate bar. But it ended up being fine, and obviously it's in the movie. I just thought it was quite an interesting oh, story. Like, was the chocolate bar a test? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he he avoided it for three hours, and then maybe he, he was waiting. He was waiting for him to take the chocolate. He'd be like, "I'm going to cast him if he takes the chocolate." Imagine if it lost him the, the movie. I, by asking for a piece of the director's chocolate. Uh, but How yeah, dare he? How Pattinson, dare he? very, very good in this. Very Look, good in overall, this. Overall, the acting, um, amongst all the other things, you know, the, the filmmaking and the you know, like visuals and all that kind of stuff, of course, it's, it's all polished. It's all well done. As Chris, you, uh, you wouldn't expect any less from Christopher Nolan, but the, the acting in this movie is also pretty much great all round. Like there's, I've got no issue with any performances. Um, there was not one point where I didn't buy any of the, of the acting and all that kind of stuff. But the characters though, I mean, apart from, you know, cat and I'm just going to call him the Russian guy, you know, Branagh's character besides their sort of dynamic, a lot of the other characters I wasn't really invested in in any way i wasn't getting anything sort of exciting from them even as the film developed i was just like they were pretty stock standard i don't know i feel like that's a bit too harsh but yeah i just wasn't getting much from it to the point where when things were on the line and things were progressing i didn't really care the movie didn't allow me to sort of feel for any of the characters except for i guess cat but when the world's on the line and you've got all these characters in peril. If the only one I'm caring about is this woman in this like domestic situation, then it's like, I don't know, I've got, a, I've got an issue. Did you twig on to the fact that it was two cats? That when she saw the girl leaving the boat? That's probably that. the, that's the that. only twist I didn't work out. Right, yeah, I didn't, that one. I didn't see that one coming. And then when it happened, you're like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like, oh, that makes sense. But I'll, we'll come back to that. Remind me, because there's something I need to question about that as well. Um, but with the, let's talk the twist then. Like, I mean, the the airport scene with, I mean, that, that's got to be a big visual, that, that plane running through yeah. that. Yeah, unless he just bought all of that stuff. And was he like, just really just did it. The disappointing really, thing probably there, did. the disappointing thing, and it's not the movie, it's my own fault. It's in one of the recent trailers, that sequence. And it's a really impressive part of the right. movie, but I'd seen it in a trailer. And it was almost like beat yeah. for beat how they presented it in the trailer. And it was a really good part of the movie. And it's my own fault for, what, but we, for watching it in the trailer. Later on, we do come back to that scene. And you know, like, you know, like, um, you got Pattinson and you've got Washington and they're, you know, they're fighting two masked characters. And then you see Robert Pattinson you sort of react to taking off the mask of another character. In my head, I'm like, okay, well, that's one of them. Yes, but like, I, I knew thought, they were... Yeah, I thought it was him. I thought he saw himself. I didn't realise... <laughs> Close enough. But you 50, knew 50. it was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was one of them. So I knew they were going to come back. Um, later on, there's the car chase. Or maybe it was before. I can't remember the order of things. But there's that car chase, and I was like, oh, look, that car's going to run backwards. I bet. I was like, I bet that's one of them. And then you, you jump all the way to the, the end of the movie when, you know, the protagonist is saying to, to what's his name? Neil. I think Neil, it's Neil. Yeah. Yep, Neil. Yeah, to Robert Patterson's character, Neil. And it's like, you still never told me who hired you. And just before he, he opened his mouth, I was like, of course it's you, you dumb piece <laughs> of shit. Catch it. Like, so a lot of this movie, I was like, 
catch up. Just catch up movie. Yeah. Like I'm already um, there. Yeah, but I do like it though. It's an interesting relationship. It reminded me of Doctor Who where they had this thing with Matt Smith's iteration of the character where he met a character named River River Song and she could also travel in time. But for her, she's his husband. But for him, he's never met her yet. So that's what it reminded me of, where it's like yeah, different stages cool. of the same relationship. Yeah. yeah, so he's older when they know each other. But then as he's younger, he's seen Neil at the end of his life. It's really quite interesting, but you're right, though. It's... It is. I just saw it coming. So I got no excitement for it from it. I was like, you know, and is that my own fault? Maybe. But I don't know. It just seemed, it was just so predictable. And then... I don't know, time travel movies have existed, you know, like, and I think even though they were doing something different with time travel here, I was like, we're still getting the same sort of tropes. I wasn't blown away with any of this, the time manipulation element of the movie. You know, I was curious about the name Tenet. What does it actually mean? What does it stand for? And apparently it's ten ten. 10 minutes forwards, 10 minutes backwards. Tenet. Apparently that's where it comes right. from. I mean, and, and the, it's 10 minutes that they have at the end of the movie, right? When, in, that, in that final act. And they set off that explosion at five minutes. 10 minutes, yeah. And 10, because, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk, about, let's talk about the end of the movie. Um, so, I mean, the, the whole time, Robert Pattinson's character is consistent, like, constantly saying that like whatever happened happened so if you're going back in time and that's i guess another reason why i knew that anytime they saw something weird happening i was like that's one of them that they'll do later on because everything that's already happened is 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 happening but then they obviously change the end you know by by cat killing by cat going back and killing her husband that does actually create a ripple and changes time so they they break that rule we've got neil's death which is interesting. It's like a it's like a last minute reveal, which I guess I didn't see coming. But how do you feel about that? Like a bit poetic in a way, or I mean, it is. But again, I, I do like that story point. How for the protagonist, he's meeting him, or they've recently met. They've started working together. So it's the beginning of their relationship, and for Neil, it's the end. So I do like that, and the reveal was good. Whereas he saw was it the chain or it was like a red string with a little, little medallion, but he saw something hanging off the satchel. Yeah. With the body. And then at the end, when Neil's like, I need to go back in. I need to make sure that we've fixed it. And that's when he realizes, so I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess, yeah, another one I didn't, I didn't see coming there. Um, but the protagonist's fate, like, so he's, the next part of his journey is to, I guess, continue to travel back to, I guess, a point where he can set all of this in motion, you know, meet Neil at some point, teach him everything and, I guess, build their relationship from there and then have it. So I think, like, you know, pretty cool. But like I said, I saw it coming. <laughs> it's all timey-wimey, isn't it? Like, he's trying to yeah. find out who hired him and he's like, I hired myself. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) But um, one issue he has, though, he says, you know, like, um, because Kat's timeline has changed now and, like, she can be with her son safe and sound and all that. He's never, she's never actually met him. So he's like, you know, know, meeting her 
would be dangerous, blah, blah, blah. So I've got to keep my distance if I am to, you know, even to, to supervise it would be, would be dangerous. So what happened to the other cat? You know, the one that went back in time, killed the husband, jumped off the boat. Where did she go? Oh, because she, you know, it's not like she could return to her own time. She's changed the timeline. But the other, but the, the other the cat, cat yeah, who was on the, you know, the little boat with the son, who then arrived back on the on the bigger yacht. She's the one that's now existing. You know, going through, where? What happened to the one that dived off the boat? Did she get eaten by a shark? But the one that's existing she... has no knowledge of what's happened. Correct, because that was yeah. a few months back when uh, where were they Vietnam or Singapore? Well, I don't know. They were somewhere. <laughs> so maybe the other cat just I don't know. Maybe she's out there. Maybe there's two Dance. cats, or maybe she well, just disappeared. I don't know. Plot hole or un un I don't know unresolved plot. There's probably an answer. Maybe somebody's listening to us <laughs> and they're yelling <laughs> at us for missing that. Yeah, no, I mean. It's yeah. not in the movie, I don't think. So I'm just curious. I'm just curious. The only other thing I can think to talk about is um, the score, the music in this movie. You know, after watching the film, I got back and my wife's like, how is it? Or how was the movie? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's Christopher Nolan. It's what you come to expect, like the sound of the movie. Like it's very loud, whether it's the action or it's the score. But Hans Zimmer has got such a distinctive sound. Not him. He did not <laughs> score this movie. <laughs> Instead, we've got Ludwig Göransson. He did Black Panther. He's that right. guy. And you know what? For me, it sounds just like Hans Zimmer. I thought it was Hans Zimmer until the credits rolled, and I was like, "Well, okay." But you know, yeah, you're right. It just, it just, it sounded, and it, it's, it still sounded like a Christopher Nolan movie. So I don't know what his direction with his music is, but I guess he's just sound like, like Hans. Ludwig. <laughs> Make it make it sound like the rest of my movies. <laughs> you know, I was looking into it and I read something like there's there's moments of the score and it's actually Nolan's voice. And this is the thing with Ludwig is very experimental in his approach. Like it's not like classic movie scores. So he's doing something different. We've got that for Black Panther. And correct me if I'm wrong, did he do Mandalorian? I think he did. And now he's, he's doing this, but he's very experimental with the sounds that he uses. So I think the big sounds, you're getting a lot of Hans Zimmer, but that's also at this point, what Nolan films sound like. So maybe Nolan wanted to carry that sound over, but honestly, I didn't stay for the end credits. So the movie finished, I was out of there. So it wasn't until <laughs> after I got home and I was, I was prepping for the podcast, I'm like, huh. It's not Hans Zimmer. I'm glad I read that because <laughs> I didn't I always on the podcast. <laughs> I always stay for like, you know, that first chunk of credits. Well, like before it starts, once it starts scrolling, I'm out. Unless it's a, like a Marvel movie or, or whatever. But, you know, I always stay for that where the words are just showing up on screen. I'm like, it's the right thing to do. All right. Let's, um, let's give our rating on Tenet, the movie we've waited many, many moons for. And you can uh, you can go first. I don't want to, but okay. <laughs> I <don't. laughs> I'll go. First. I guarantee I have already picked my number. You and know, it has not changed after having discussion. I'll pick <sighs> it. So whatever okay. you say, I'm not going to be swayed. 
Okay. A description of this movie, a quote from a critic, and I'd stayed away from reviews, anything like that, but I did see a poster and a quote, and it was James Bond on Acid, and I thought, that sounds like a good film. This movie's not really that. I mean, <laughs> the spy elements, and I guess it's, I guess the, the person's talking about the, the high concept, and you're watching this movie, like when you watch Inception, what you, what you want to see is the cityscape folding in on itself. And no matter how many times they showed me that visual, I didn't tire of it. But like you, once you'd seen something go backwards once, and I'm not sure if you watch Red Dwarf, but there's an episode where they go to a backwards planet and the character Cat really needs, needs to go to the toilet and he goes in a bush. And it doesn't end well for him because it happens forwards, then backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's been done! <laughs> and that was a gag, and it works. But this is, what, a two-and-a-half-hour movie? Got to be right. Yeah. Um, the, the performances are fantastic. You do get some good visuals in here. They say with most, if not all, Nolan movies, you'll benefit from repeat viewing. I feel like I've seen this movie. And I'm okay with with that one viewing. I did I did enjoy it. There's a there's a lot going on. You know, it's entertaining, and there's some really great visuals in here. Stunts. I mean, having John David Washington as your lead, I thought he was fantastic. And again, like I'm going to follow this guy's career. Um, this movie putting a number on it. It's a ah, it's a tough one. I'm going to come in at a very a very high four. It's a high four. I can't give it lower than that. There's there's a lot to like here. Um, this is a movie that we we've been building up, like most people have. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna yep four. <laughs> and I think maybe maybe because we have built it up, maybe that's why I couldn't help but come out of the movie feeling disappointed or well, not disappointed, but I guess like underwhelmed quite a bit. Um, I mean, you, you, you summed it up pretty much there. Like acting's great. Um, you know, this is obviously a superbly competently made movie, like 100%. Christopher Nolan can craft scenes and, and, you know, put a good production together and it, it looks wonderful, but you know, like this high concept kind of thing, it, I understood it and maybe maybe I wanted to be more confused and, and not get it. So, I mean, I followed it. It was it was fine. Like I said, the, the espionage stuff and all the exposition in the first, you know, in the first third of the movie, that's where I was like, what the hell is going on? But after that, it was like, okay, I get it. Went for the ride. But the ride wasn't that fun. You know, there was cool visuals that lasted a few seconds. And then after that, I was like, I've seen it now. That's That's it. By the end of it, yeah, just just underwhelmed. But you know, like it's it's fine. It's a perfectly fine movie. It is actually fairly easy to follow, so there's no issues there. But you know, I think the key part of why my rating will be what it is is that I just the movie didn't allow me to or make me feel anything. I didn't care for the majority of the characters. I didn't really feel anything when, you know, things are on the line, you know, in the, at the end of the third act when all shit was hitting the fan. 
it was just sort of like, okay, we're just going through the motions at this stage. So I am coming in at a three out of five. We're going to get complaints, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, three out of five. It's still a fine movie. Like, it's, it's okay. It's just like, what's the big whoop? And from Christopher Nolan, I want big whoop. You know, we always say on the podcast, anything three or above is a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> little disclaimer at the end. Oh, there. like, if someone's like, should I go watch it? I'll be like, yes. So there you go. Oh, of course. If they're, yeah, are they, if they're like, yeah. is it the greatest thing Christopher Nolan's done or one of the best movies you've ever seen? No. <laughs> like, no, not at all. But it's fine, you know. I've watched worse. Okay. You can have that for the poster. <laughs> I've watched worse. Okay, so as always, we like to close out on some trivia. And I was going to talk about the relationship between Hans Zimmer and Nolan. They first worked together on The Prestige back in 2006. And he scored all his movies from that film up until, I believe, Dunkirk. And because Zimmer is working on Dune at the moment, that's why he couldn't do it. Otherwise, he would have been back for this movie, which again, give me something that sounds like Zimmer. I think that's what <laughs> Nolan asked for. But he didn't get Zimmer. He got composer Ludwig Göransson. The interesting thing here, he was about to begin orchestral sessions for the film score when the United States shut down to stop the spread of the coronavirus. As a result, the soundtrack was completed by putting together individual recordings of the musicians in their homes. Oh, wow. What a fate. But they <laughs> still had to record it. And yeah. It up. That's pretty cool. And very... Uh... Very contemporary. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I thought it tied into the beginning. We talked about how we didn't get the movie, potentially weren't going to get it due to COVID concerns. Comes full circle. There we go. That's it for our review of Tenet. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Studio Podcast. We also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. And all our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Force of Nature. Sounds Like Comics have an episode looking at Batwoman, and Rewind and Review went back to 1985 to look at Teen Wolf. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon.